wonderful. It's so good to be with you. It's Life Center. We recognize with 30%, it's great. Um, but as a community, we're going to have to gather. Don't worry, I'll get my voice in a minute. But we're going to have to gather uh, in, we're going to have to gather online. We're going to have to gather in home campuses. So what is a home campus? Well, if you understand what a life group is, it's really just simply transferring it to the Sunday morning where together you and I can uh, gather in groups of 10. Uh, if people are within your bubble, then of course you don't have to require physical distancing if you chose a, ha a house campus that way. However, if you invited anybody who was not in your bubble of 10, then of course all the same uh, whys and acronym applies of physical distancing, masks and hand sanitization, staying six feet apart, all of those things. Because, you know, together when we look in Acts chapter 2, verses 46, uh, 46 and 47, don't worry, it's not going to come on the screen, I just added it. Um, and it says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. And so it was both of those things, a day by day in houses, but also in the temple. So temple could be Canada, could be Cornwall, could be Orleans, and then, of course, house to house, and then breaking the bread homes. It says they... Um, it says they, so if you're in the chat, you can just write the word they. If you're here live, you can just say it in your heart. Um, but they received, not just you. So we recognize that one of the things that's so hard in a pandemic is that it's isolated so many of us. And there will be some of us uh, of our community who need to remain, um, for health reasons, just separated. And so there's no shame in that for you to gather online. But there is just something powerful about the they part of the scripture, right? That they come, they got together and um, it says, and the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. And so together it is that they and that them. And so as our strategy moves forward, we are gonna be looking at still doing services online, which we did before anyways, and we're just continuing those. Uh, we have 30% capacity at each of our campuses in Cornwall, Canada, and here in Orleans. And then we also have the idea of house campuses where we have lawn signs that you can actually put out that this is a house campus of Orleans. Life Center has always been a multi-site church, so why don't we just add a few more campuses? We're not saying that you're a pastor <laughs> on staff. We're just simply saying you've opened up your house. When do I get paid? That's the real question. No, we're not, we're not, we're not, saying, we're not saying that. We're just simply saying that you've opened your house and... And uh, you can engage that week. And so uh, last week, uh, Lori and I, uh, Pastor Lori and I shared the first part of our equipping season that we're in right here, uh, which was You Watch Me. Okay? You Watch Me. And once again, before I go there, uh, hands up in the chat hands up, the little hands up emoji, because over the last two weeks, and then here we can just clap it, but in the last two weeks, or in Canada, you can clap it, uh, 11 people have given their hearts to Christ in the last two weeks. So hands up in the chat. We are so grateful for that. And so last week we looked at You Watch Me, and this week we're looking at Together We Get It Done, as this whole heart of equipping. You know, equipping really means this. When we say that we talk about the value of equipping, we are saying that we grow people who make a difference by inviting everyone to be involved in ministry. We believe in something called the priesthood of all the believers. Uh, so we invite everyone to be involved in ministry because every believer in Jesus is a builder. You're not just a body. You're a builder, every one of us. Or we're not just a body, we're a build. We're called to build this. And it takes the whole church to be his church in the city. It takes the whole church. And honestly, never has this been more felt than in this season. It's not like it's more true in this season because it's always true regardless of what season we're in. But never has it felt, been felt needed more 
than in a season like this. You know, speaking of seasons, here's one of the things that's significant, is that God always shapes us by using people, events, and circumstances. God always shapes our lives and our character by using people, events, and circumstances. What is unique about the time and season that you and I find ourselves living in today is that we are collectively and simultaneously experiencing both a global pandemic and a global outcry for racial injustice to end. We are not experiencing these things individually. As the entire globe, we are experiencing these things together. And there is something significant when something happens that captures the whole world's attention that we as followers of Jesus must, must pay attention to. And so this global pandemic that we're experiencing and this outcry for racial injustice or, or racial justice, I should say, injustice to be destroyed and for there to be true biblical justice, true justice for every nation, every tribe, every kindred, and every tongue is part of a move of God. Church, don't miss the move of God that is happening all around the world just because it doesn't look like you think it should have looked. What God is doing is radically significant for this time and for this season. You know, if those of you in the chat, you can type the word that this season is that none of us want to hear anymore. It is that beautiful word, unprecedented. Exactly. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to type. You don't, some of you won't even type it because you don't want to hear it. I'm with you. But in the word that we don't want to say in this unprecedented season, I think one of the questions we should ask is, what should the posture of our hearts be? And the only posture of our hearts should always be humble. We should have hearts of humility because God opposes the, pride, the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so I think that there's a story that is thousands of years old that has something important to teach us today. Can I just pause here for a moment? Those of you online, just give me a little moment right here. I am just not used to preaching to human beings. I'm out of rusty. <laughs> I'm used to looking right at a camera. It's just me and a camera. That's it. So even just your stares are throwing me off. <laughs> Stop staring that way. I kid. But I think that there's this story in 1 Samuel chapter 3 that is significant for all of us. Again, it's thousands of years old, but how many of you know that God's principles are timeless? And there's a story in 1 Samuel chapter 3, there's a high priest by the name of Eli, and he has two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and he is also raising a boy by the name of Samuel. Uh, Samuel's mother was a woman named Hannah, who was barren, and she pleaded, and God opened her womb and during this process, she, she said to the Lord that if God did this, that she would raise her son as a Nazarite. In other words, she would raise her son separate from and consecrated to God, and that's Samuel. And it's interesting. So, so Samuel is growing up with the high priest, Eli. And I said, Eli has two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. Yes, like the show Phineas and Ferb. Uh, but he has these three sons. Two of those are biological, and one is uh, given to him to raise, because, of course, the high priest was the closest you could get to the presence of God. And so Samuel's being raised as a Nazarite. And here's what the scripture says. All three of them were raised in the same household. Hophni Phineas says they had no regard for the Lord. 
at all. But it says that Samuel ministered before the Lord. Isn't it remarkable that we can go, we, people can grow up in identical environments and have completely different outcomes? We can all experience the same things and they can make us bitter or they can make us better. We can all experience and see what we see, but see it so very differently because we don't see things as they are, that we see things as we are. And who you and I are are imperfect. Who you and I are are always in need of repentance and confession and transformation so that we can become more like Jesus. You know, there's a point here that I would make, which is simply that no one can make you the person that you aren't committed to becoming. I don't care what mentor, I don't care what group you sign up for, I don't care what coaching thing, you, what class, what whatever. No one will make you the person that you aren't committed to becoming. There is no level of accountability that can make you who you don't desire to become. And here is Eli growing up in a house, and he has Hophni and Phinehas, and they have no regard for the Lord. They are the closest to the proximity of God's presence at the time, but they have no regard for it. And here you have Samuel growing up in the identical environment, and his heart is postured, and it's humble, and it's soft before God. Again, it's not only environment that creates us. It is also the hunger of our hearts of who we desire to be that is absolutely essential. So the scripture says, now the boy Samuel, this is 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 to 9, I'm reading. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. It wasn't non-existent, it was rare, because there was no frequent vision. And at that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. And it says, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. That is such a beautiful picture. If you remember, if you know anything about the Old Testament, there's also a man by the name of Joshua. And it says that Joshua, when Moses would go into the tent of meeting to meet with God, he would hang out as close to God's presence. There is something about hunger in every one of our hearts that draws us closer to God's presence. And here we see Samuel. He does not yet know the Lord, but he has this insatiable hunger for God. He just hangs out where the ark of God's was, representative of the presence. It says, then the Lord called Samuel, and, and the Lord called Samuel, and he said, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I didn't call you. Go lie down again. And he went and he lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose, and he went to Eli and said, here I am, for the Lord called me, or for you called me, sorry. But he said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again, which is a line that I think many of us as parents have used in the last 13 weeks a lot. Uh, not lie down again, more like, hey, go, go to your room. That's been a line that we've used often. In, 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 in fact, in, in my house, it's been more, I'm just going to go to my room. <laughs> yeah. Therefore, Eli said again, oh, sorry. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. So he can hear who's calling, but he can't recognize who's calling. There are a lot of people in our world today who may be able to hear the principles of God, but they can't recognize God because they don't know his voice. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time. Have you noticed God does things in threes often? A third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. And because Eli was a man, it took him like three times to figure out what was going on. If it was a woman, he would have got, she would have got like right away. But <laughs> Then Eli perceived the Lord was calling the boy. 
Therefore Eli said to the Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and he laid down in his, play, in his place. You know, Samuel, as we made mention a moment ago, he can hear just fine. And he can respond just fine. Samuel never missed hearing God call him, not one time. Being by the presence of God attunes his ear to hear. But again, why we need mentors and others in the faith who are a little bit ahead on the journey, again, is sometimes it's not that we can't hear, it's that we can't recognize the voice that we're hearing, or we hear too many different things and we don't know which one to follow. You need someone, I need someone, we all need an Eli in our lives to help him know what he doesn't yet know. And it takes a person of humility. If you're in the chat, you can just type in humility. And if you're here, you can say it in your heart. But it takes a person of humility to admit that you don't know what you don't know. You don't know. We live in a world full of pride where one person reads one article and they're an expert on a subject. We need a heart of humility as followers of Jesus in this time and in this season that we find ourselves in. But we need more than hearts of humility. We need Eli's. We need people to help us hear the right voice in a season. Come on, have you ever gone through something in your life and you have so many thoughts and emotions and feelings swirling in your head. It's not that you can't hear. It's that you can't distinguish which one is true or most true or to follow in a different season. And this is what we see here in the story. is that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. See, having a clear purpose... We've had an explosion of people who want other purpose and purpose and purpose and purpose. You can have a clear purpose and still not make any progress in your life. Because there are these appointed times and seasons where you and I need others to come alongside to help us grow. Every single one of us have growth gaps. Places where we are to where we need to be that we have to grow. Every one of us have gaps. The question is, do we have humility to learn from one another? Do we have humility to learn in this time and in this season? Do we have humility to learn from those whose skin color is different than ours, than mine perhaps, or yours if yours is looking like mine? Do we have humility? When I scroll social media, one of the things we need is humility, not only pride, to learn from different cultures, but different generations. I don't know about you. But the one thing that has ravaged my heart, and every life is precious, but to see what has occurred in long-term care homes, do we value different generations, whether it's in the womb, or at the end of life, as a culture, we have to reckon with these things. As a church, we need a prophetic voice to listen to our 
black or indigenous or people of color to speak about racism and injustice. And some of us have to be quiet and listen and learn for a season. And not for a post or two, for a season. And we have to reckon together with what do we really believe about life. This is part of this global move of God that is happening to reckon with what, what, how do we truly value one another? And I think when we're put as on the scales, we have been found wanting. And I wish I could say it was a problem out there, but as the church, we're often the identical problem. We're of the same substance of the world. So God, would you move in repentance in our hearts and our lives? Do we have humility? Do we have humility to learn from one another? Do we have humility to learn from different cultures, generations, even experiences? Again, Eli knows how to hear the voice of God speaking. It was rare, but it's something that he knows how to do. And Samuel doesn't know how to recognize it. And here's what I would say. When it comes to working together, stop looking for the perfect mentor. They don't exist. They just don't exist. There are no perfect people. They don't exist. But you need to look for an Eli. Why do I say that? Because of what he's about to do sets him apart. See, Eli has two character traits that I think are really important for you and for I if we're looking for someone to mentor us, to help us grow when all of we all, in our growth gaps. First, Eli creates room for Samuel to recognize who is speaking to him. I'll say it again. Eli creates room for Samuel to recognize who is speaking to them. A mentor doesn't suck up all the air and talk all about themselves. Eli creates room for Samuel to learn and to recognize who is speaking to him. And second of all, Eli postures Samuel in the perfect position. And so what Eli does is significant. Here's what's fascinating. Eli does with Samuel what he can't do with his own sons. His own sons don't have hearts of humility before their father. They have no regard for the things of the Lord. But Eli does for others. Here's why I'm saying that. Because sometimes those who are closest to us like we talked about last week, the, the closer you get to someone, you know what you see? The good stuff and the bad stuff. The closer you get to someone, it's called a proximity problem that you begin to see, oh, they aren't all they, I thought they were. Oh, I, here's where they're good, here's where they're not good. And so we see a bit of that here in the text. The scripture says, we read it a moment ago in 1 Samuel 3 verse 9, Therefore Eli said to Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your what? For your servant. Here's, what do you want to try to find in a mentor? Somebody who can teach you and I how to be better servants. The only position of leadership in the body of Christ is servant leadership. There is no other kind. It doesn't exist, and anywhere it's not, it's not the right spirit of leadership. It's not the right spirit of mentorship. It's not the right spirit of parenting. It's not the right heart in all of those things. Servanthood isn't a starting posture. It's the only posture. 
If servanthood wasn't the single defining leadership lesson, like sorry, if servanthood was the single defining leadership lesson that Jesus taught his disciples at his last supper with them when he bent down and he washed their feet, then it is our most important and significant position our heart should be in as followers of Jesus as we're mentoring others. And it's one of the things I love about Eli is he helps Samuel recognize and grow, but he also positions Samuel again in this posture of a servant. Eli doesn't teach Samuel again to hear. He does that really well, but he teaches him to recognize, recognize God's voice as different than all the other voices. And in this season of confusion, in this season of upheaval and change that is so vital, that is so necessary. We as followers of Christ don't only need to know what a blog post said or what this article said or what this person said. We also, that's all good stuff or it may be, but we also need to be able to hear, God, what is your word and what are your ways and what is your voice in this season of our lives? Thank you. <laughs> you know, you can't use your voice, but you can use your hands if you want. It's okay. You know, as followers of Jesus, there's this powerful prophetic element in this story that I want to pull out for such a time as this. And it says, And the Lord came and stood, calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, what did he say? What Eli taught him to say. Speak, for your servant hears. Speak, for your servant hears. And then, it says, the Lord said to Samuel, because his heart is postured in the right place. Watch the first test God is going to give Samuel. This is the first time he hears God. You wait for the word that God's going to give him. The Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. That's God basically saying, like, you're going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to blow the doors off this dump. That's the paraphrased version. <laughs> On that day I will fulfill, watch this, I will fulfill against Eli. All that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end, and I will declare to him that I'm about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God. They were sleeping with temple prostitutes just outside the temple of, the God, of God. And it says, he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. It is this judgment that God brings in this moment. Of, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I mean, that God can do what God wants to do. I'm grateful for grace. I'm grateful we're in the New Testament. I'm grateful for all of those things. But God is a God who is fully loving and Father and Abba, and he is God who is holy and just and righteous. He is not either or, he is both and. And you don't want a little of both, you want all of who God is. Now I wonder if Samuel, and now in this moment, wishes he could go back and say, can I unhear? Can I just not hear anymore? Like, right? Why is it so important that he's in the posture of a servant because of the word that God gave him? It says that Samuel then lays down until morning. 
doesn't say that he slept. Because what does he have to go now? He has to go to the high priest and go, I have a word of encouragement for you from the Lord. I have a word that's going to build you up and edify you. I'm going to teach you how to live your best life. No, he's like, I've got to give the word of the Lord to you. And then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel. This is why you want to find an Eli. And this is the prophetic part, I believe, in this story for today. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. Same words. And Eli said, what, what was it that he told you? Like, what, what did God speak to you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me that he told you. We need the posture of Eli to be able to hear the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth sometimes. And for our black or indigenous or people of color who are speaking truth in this season, church, we need to hear the truth, not hide it from me. We need to sometimes see the truth of our culture, the truth of who we are, the truth of our systems, the truth of what is breaking down, the truth about whether it's life in the womb, the truth about how we treat those who are older, the truth about our pride and our arrogance and our indifference towards one another. We don't want to sanitize truth. We want truth because only truth sets us free. If not, we just continue. If Eli would have come and simply said, like, you know, if Samuel would have said, like, I, I, it's a hard word, and Eli would have said, hey, don't worry, but can you soften it for me? It doesn't matter how we say it. When God brings down the arm of justice, he's going to happen. And there was this moment here where there's this prophetic space in here where we need to have hearts of, of Eli's to hear. He said, I'll keep reading. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord, Eli says, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. It was a hard word. But nothing that was said was untrue. But it was a hard word. And if you keep reading, you can get to the end of the story. But speaking truth that we need to hear, that we need to repent, and that we need to then do the work together of justice. And watch what happens if we have humility. Sorry, that's puberty. And watch what happens if we have humility. That's my favorite joke of all time. Uh, and, and position ourselves to listen and learn, as in the case of Samuel, in the case of Eli. It says, and Samuel grew. And this is my prayer. And may it be your prayer. And whatever church looks like in this season or the season ahead, here's all I know. If the Lord is with us, we're going to be all right. If the Lord is with us, we're going to be all right. But if he isn't, then there ain't no point in going forward. Because we're just making noise. If the Lord is with us, it's going to be all right. I know like you, when I can read history, here's, I, I can't give you clarity 
or I can't give you certainty of what the season ahead looks like, but I can give you clarity. Pandemics end. If you read history, they end. I can give you clarity that whether you're at home watching online, he is as close as the mention of his name. Whether you're in a house campus with a few friends or a family, God is present in your midst, though the kids may be running around and you're catching every eight wheat words that I say. Look it, I've lived it. I know what it's like. If you're in Canada or Cornwall, or whatever church you're listening from, wherever you're listening from, the heart of equipping of us being the church is that we want to grow up. How many of you know that you can grow older and never grow up? The church can get older and it cannot grow. We want to grow up in God. So we want to grow and we want the Lord to be with us, which is both grace and truth. And here's what the scripture said about Samuel. He let none of his words fall to the ground. Like Eli, may the Lord give us humility to hear from others in this season. May the Lord give us humility to hear from others. Not only what we want to hear, what we need to hear. Not what we wish, but what we need. And then may the Lord continue to raise up Samuel's with the clarity to speak everything that God's word makes clear. May we not just in this season, but every season be unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because that is the power of God into salvation. Church, together, we'll get it done. But it takes the whole church to be the church. It takes every single one of us loving God with our whole heart and loving our neighbor as ourself. And so sometimes loving our neighbor means wearing a mask. If you can, if you have health issues that you can't, then we're not going to be judgmental. In the season going forward, church, we're going to be kind. Some people aren't going to be ready to come back to church and there is no shame. Some people may gather with a few, and that's beautiful. Others may be comfortable to gather again, you know, practicing all the things we need to practice. And those are how we're going to love our neighbor. <laughs>